Hi everyone, this is Diva from Blood Hunter and you're listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast. I'm your host Blake and tonight we're going to be revisiting a classic metal album which I'll get to in a second but first I want to remember to remind you to check us out on the internet on at www.themetalpit.org and we are on social media on Instagram and Facebook at the metal pit and you can follow our youtube channel at the metal pit 666 and we just heard the song the number of the beast by iron maiden some of you may have heard that song before and is course from their 1982 album the number of the beast and that's the album we're going to be talking about today and today i have with me my friend eric how are you today eric uh i am doing excellent today blake I'm pretty fired up to uh, to do this podcast with you today about Beast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Uh, tired, but great. I think I said that in my last episode, too. We should stop saying that. <laughs> so just I'll just say a little bit about, I'm sure most people that are listening to this know who Iron Maiden is. But anyway, <laughs> The Number of the Beast is, of course, the third studio album from Iron Maiden. It was released March 22nd, 1982 on EMI Records in the United Kingdom and on Capitol Records and Harvest Records in Canada and the United States. And this, of course, is the debut of Bruce Dickinson as a singer who replaced Paul Diano, who was on the first two Maiden albums, the debut and then Killers. And this is also the last album with drummer Clive Burr, who left, and then Nico McBrain joined for Peace of Mind. Now, the first, this is, like I said, the third album, and their first five albums were released in the first five years of their career, which is, yes, definitely nobody ever does that anymore. <laughs> so let's see. Oh, I'm going to, well, I'll let you go first with when did you first... When did you first hear Iron Maiden and or when did you first hear The Number of the Beast, whatever came first, I guess, for you? Well, it's funny, uh, Blake. I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. I saw a poster for Aces High and I'm picturing the mall that I went to and I said, oh, my gosh, that's that artwork's just the coolest thing I've ever seen. I learned it was Derek Riggs. Um, I later heard Iron Maiden thanks to my sister. Um, Number of the Beast wasn't the first album I heard, but I enjoyed, um, I want to say the first album I heard, believe it or not, was Live After Death. Um, and I was pretty blown away by that. And I said, oh my God, I, I need to pick up the guitar. I want to be able to play some of those high notes. What I later learned out were harmonies, but I was like, this is just so energetic, something completely different to me. Um, so that, that's pretty much where it all started at, at the mall. And then my sister introduced me to them and I haven't looked back. How about you, Blake? So, well, did you, but did you, uh, yeah. you, now you say live after that is when you first heard it, but what mm -hmm. did you go buy this studio album first? Do you remember which studio album you went and got first? Well, you're not going to like this response, but somewhere, somewhere in time was kind of, Oh, okay. <laughs> trust me, trust me. I would have loved to have been, uh, you know, 82, 83 listening to, to Maiden. I wasn't quite there, but, uh, somewhere in time is, is pretty much where I started. I was exposed to live after death. I bought that shortly thereafter. 
And then I went back to the early days. I want to say now, hey, this has been a lot of years. I want to say I jumped back to Iron Maiden, Killers, Number of the Beast. But the Beast absolutely floored me. I mean, that, I listened to that and I said, this is, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Um, so that's kind of where I am. So, I, Blake, I know you're more of a, you were definitely a little more kind of with, with Maiden as they were starting to uh, take over, uh, you know, the UK, already conquered UK and, the, you know, eventually US, Canada and beyond. <laughs> yeah, well, for me, well, for me, now I, I had a previous podcast I did with a writer, Tom, and we talked about the debut Iron Maiden album. So, so I apologize to anybody who listened to that one because you're going to hear the same story here. <laughs> but for me, The Number of the Beast was the first album that I heard. And it was, I'll remind you, I guess, and anybody that didn't listen to that podcast, uh, it was my 16th birthday and I needed to at, tell my brother to get me something for my birthday. And I had Circus Magazine. Of course, this is back, you know, this Circus, is there we go. 82. There's no internet. There's no, there's hardly any TV channels for me anyway in Canada, rural Canada. It was like, whatever. So, uh, but anyway, I bought Circus Magazine and there was a story about this group called Iron Maiden and they're playing a live show at Madison Square Garden and they have stuff about this monster comes out on stage and it said they were influenced by Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin and I heard some of their songs on the radios. I thought, well, that sounds cool. So I said to my brother, hey, if they have this album at our local store, buy it for me. And if they don't have this, get me John Cougar Mellencamp because I used to listen to the radio. <laughs> and so lucky for me, I was I never listened to John Cougar Mellencamp again <laughs> because they found he found the number of the beast. So that's when I first heard Iron Maiden was. And of course, I never heard nothing. I just had the album, put the album on vinyl, of course, put the album on. And as soon as I heard Invaders starting, my life had changed forever. And then. After that, I ran out and bought the first two albums with Paul Diano and probably Made in Japan, the live EP thing. It's a good one. And then bought everything since. So that's when I first Iron Maiden, yes. That's so I wasn't there awesome right life. at the start, but I was there right at the start for Bruce Dickinson. So I didn't know any difference. Because like we were talking with Tom, where this is the first album I heard, he heard the first Iron Maiden album with Paul Deano. So he had the two Deano albums in his mind before he heard The Beast. And for me, I just went back. But I still like the first two albums. What about you? Do you like the first two albums? I definitely like the first two albums. I think they're, I think they're both strong. Um, Running Free, it's funny. I know we'll eventually get to Run to the Hills, but Running Free is just such a great anthem. Um, Phantom of the Opera would be one of my top 10 all-time Maiden uh, songs. Um, Killers has, in my opinion, some of the best music they've ever written. Uh, I, like the, I like Paul Diano. I do think it would have been very unique to have Dickinson. I don't know if it would have worked because the second album is a little more kind of punk and bluesy. Um, you know, but Dickinson on that second album, wow, that would have been quite a treat, I think. Uh, <laughs> did you like the first two? Well, I think the way we... the way we and Tom discussed is I don't think Bruce Dickinson would have. So the songs in the first two albums felt like they were wrote for Paul Diano's vocals. Almost you would think, especially running free and Charlotte or not um, remember tomorrow and strange world, mm -hmm. those kinds of songs or strange world, the instrumental, sorry, but anyway, <laughs> no, I think yeah. it isn't the instrumental. 
but oh, they were well kind said. of made for him. I don't know. Sure, I mean, Bruce does a good job if he ever does killers, even though I don't think they do it very much. But he always did a good job on it. But still, I think I would rather hear Deano do it. But the number with, of the beats, I definitely, I definitely yeah. wouldn't want to hear Paul Deano doing the number of the beast songs or any of those things. I just don't think it would work. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Children of the Dam, they could probably pull off, but all the others, I don't think so. But whatever <laughs> but anyway so but i do like the first two albums as well like for me iron maiden i listen i really only as we've talked before i only really listen to the first five iron maiden albums pretty much is about all i really go back and listen to so those are the best and we'll discover that when we do our top 10 thing at the end of the show here but anyway so let's get on with the album then so it starts out now it should it should start off with the number of the beast, but for some reason they put that on side two, <laughs> because I think that would have been a great intro to the album with the spoken word part. But anyway, we start with invaders and we, it kicks off with the drum in there of Clive Burr and, and Bruce explodes on the scene with his vocal technique there. That is totally different from what Paul Deano gave us on the first two albums. And it was definitely a heavier feel on this album compared to the first two albums. And now I don't know if it's Dickinson vocals that do that, but I'm sure Martin Birch second album that he's produced for them. I'm sure they just got thicker in their sound and the guitar harmonies, of course, as I'm sure you'll talk about as we go along are just incredible with Dave Murray and Adrian Smith and influenced so many bands. So what did you think? I love about, oh, I love the song invaders. What do you think of the song? Invaders is a great introduction song um, for any album. Um, I really, really like that staccato intro, as you mentioned with the drums, the guitar and the bass. It's very tight, um, but yeah, it just really, really sets the tone for the entire album. Um, there are a lot of uh, single note uh, guitar parts throughout the song that um, I didn't, you know, I didn't really even make a note of this, but definitely lend it to kind of a progressive some early like progressive kind of hard rock metal roots there um and the chorus is not like one of those super memorable you know uh moments but it, it fits the attitude of the song very well and for whatever reason i've talked to a handful of maiden fans over the years and somehow that you know a lot of a lot of people agree with me it somehow gets overlooked but i think it's a very strong opener yeah, I've heard that people even don't like it, but I don't know. I, there isn't one song on here I don't like, <laughs> as we'll get to later. But then we go to Children of the Dam, which I just mentioned a second ago. This this song is based on a 1964 British sci-fi movie under the same name, Children of the Dam, which was a sequel to a 1960 film, Village of the Damned. As we all know from Iron Maiden's lyrics, they do a lot of reading and have a lot of inspiration from books or movies or TV shows. And this is more, I guess this is like the power ballad, I guess you would call it, of the album. They don't really have a ballad, per se, like they did on the first two with Paul Diano. <clears throat> but it has a slow intro and, again, the guitar harmonies. And it's a great solo section, I find, from the guitarist there. So what do you think of that one? Yeah, you know, I, I pretty much label it the same way you do, Blake, whereas it's the, the lone ballad, if you will, on the album. Uh, obviously, we know it gets more interesting as the song progresses, really in the middle section. Gosh, it just it just explodes. Um, 
You know, the verses, I guess you could say the verses are maybe on volume three or so. The chorus is maybe a seven or eight. And then that middle section is, it's really cool how the, the guitarists, they use these octaves. It's very melodic and Bruce Dickinson follows the guitar parts. I just can't see many vocalists being able to do that. But um, it was it was very, very well written. Um, and it, it's an excellent chorus, but the song overall is, is very strong. It was a fun one that I learned on guitar many years ago. Still yeah, it's a great song. They didn't, yeah, they didn't seem to play it much live, I don't believe. I mean, they probably Badly did no. back then, I guess, like when they just released the album. But it's a song they don't really play. I'm not sure why, but it's a great song, I think. And then we get into one of my favorite songs on the album, The Prisoner, which, of course, was named after a UK TV show of the same name. And they had to get permission from the show so they could use that spoken word part there at the start. And and it, it's really drum heavy. Like you really notice Clive Burr's drumming in the song, especially. And I just love that about the song. Unfortunately, like I said earlier, this is his last. I really liked him as a drummer on these first three albums. But not that Nick goes nothing wrong with Nick. He's great, too. But uh, and this also... On, on the Power Slave album, which is two albums later, Back in the Village is also inspired by this t the TV show, The Prisoner. And I've never, of course, seen the TV show since it's a UK TV show. And I'm sure you haven't either. But anyway, it's a great song, I think. What do you think? Um, yeah, you know, this song has, um, I really like the simplicity of just those thundering drums and the overdriven guitars, they, they really mesh well together in the intro. And then they really crank up the tempo uh, for the verses. It's, you know, it's one of, one of their more upbeat, you know, songs and choruses of the early Maiden era. Um, I think it's a great song. You know, um, yeah, the solo section is, is pretty nice in it as well. Um, there's there's really nothing to, to dislike about the song. Um, I guess you could say that as far as the album goes, too. And then we got 22 Acacia Avenue, and this is the second part of the or this is, yeah, the second part of the Charlotte the Harlot saga. Which, again, if you anybody listened to my podcast with Tom, we talked about this from the debut album, Charlotte the Harlot song that was on that one, written by Dave Murray. And this is the continuing saga of Charlotte, as I guess she lives at 22 Acacia Avenue. <laughs> Just got to get our Google Maps out, I guess, to find it. But anyway, this song was originally wrote by Adrian Smith and his former band Urchin, that Steve Harris saw them playing live before he obviously was in Maiden. And he liked the song and they just kind of modified it and probably changed the lyrics to this. So what do you think of 22? That's a pretty cool song. I, I really, um, I thought it was pretty clever how they opened the song with Dickinson and Murray just together uh, opening up this tune. Um, it, it's driving and it has an edge to it. Uh, the halftime change in solo is brilliant. Um, the song gets more hectic and interesting, in my opinion, as it progresses. Um, it's, it's one of those songs, I didn't really make a note of it, but it's one of those songs that like on um, Live After Death, I mean, you really can hear the audience and they do ratchet up, ratchet up the tempo just a bit 
Um, it works very well live. Uh, it's a it's a it's a really cool driving song. I think this is another song they don't really play live much anymore. But of course, they have uh, what is it seven? I forget now. They have a lot of studio albums <laughs> to cover that in live they do. <laughs> So then we go on to side two for the people in the vinyl days, like myself, or the cassette days, I guess. <laughs> and we go That's to the title, yep. we go to the title track, "The Number of the Beast," and this song, as well as most of the album created controversy because of the reference to satan and of course 666 from revelations in the bible but of course this is nothing compared to what would come later with groups like slayer and venom and all the black metal groups but anyway i guess these people had nothing better to do than listen in their church basement to the number of the beast trying to figure out why it was so bad for everybody <laughs> but the, uh, see this Starts, of course, with a spoken word part read by English actor Barry Clayton, which starts with the woe to you part, of course, which we all love. And they actually wanted to get Vincent Price to do that, but he, like his last name, was asking too much of a price. So they went with this British actor instead. And this has Bruce's patent air raid siren scream in it that is like his most blood curdling scream on the album which makes sense since it's the number of the beast and this is, of course it's one of the this song is probably they probably played this at like every iron maiden live show i would assume after they released this album i would think the only song that gets played more than the number of the beast would be iron maiden <laughs> since they play that at every live show of course so what do you think of the Number of the Beast song? Yes, Number of the Beast. That intro is instantly recognizable. I played this song in a number of bands. Um, you know, sadly, nobody came real close to uh, Dickinson's scream. And my, oh, my, Bruce Dickinson has arrived. I mean, you want to talk about the scream, his vocals, it's just his commanding presence. Um, the verses and choruses are perfectly written. Um, the um, and then that breakdown in the middle is is excellent. Steve Harris, he, his you know you can definitely tell it's his signature, um, his his orchestration there, and it's executed you know perfectly um, by the whole band. It's very tight. It's you know progressive to use that word again. Um, it's musical. And it really sets the stage for the solar section. But the song as a whole, the chorus is short, but it cuts to the point. Um, it's it's one of those timeless songs. Yes, and then we get Run to the Hills, which is another song that they play live, pretty probably maybe even more than Number of the Beast. But <laughs> and this is like, I guess this would be like the biggest single Iron Maiden never had. This is the first single from this album. And it is definitely now. It's not really one of my favorites, but I maybe it's because you've heard I've heard it so much live, like I said. But it's definitely a fan favorite, and it definitely showed Bruce Dickinson's like because of course this was the introduction to Bruce Dickinson to the band or to the fans, of course, because this is the first single, and uh, and of course the sing the sing along chorus and stuff and everything. Uh, 
And I guess, yeah, this is the closest thing to their biggest hit single, I guess you want to call it that. Of course, back in the day, they didn't get played on the radio. But anyway, so what do you think of Run to the Hills? So who cares if Headbangers Ball played this video nonstop? <laughs> um, Maiden knows how to start out a song. I mean, the drums, the bass, I love that intro. And then you have the rhythm guitars and then there's bending music. Unison bends are just are amazing. And then you have Dickinson telling his story, a little bit of history there. But um, yeah, this song is the definition of a of a, a you know rock hard rock anthem. And um, yeah, I mean they've there's certainly other maiden songs I like better, but I think as far as your kind of catchy, you know, hard rock heavy metal songs, this is this is definitely uh up very high for me um the chorus is genius um yep and that's probably all i've got to say about run to the hills and then we kick the drums kick off the next one as we get into gangland which i think i've heard this a lot of people don't really like this song but again i i love the song i love the lyrics in this song like when, especially when he says face at the window, leers into your own, but it's only your reflection. Still, you tremble in your bones. I used to love <laughs> hearing that when I first heard the song. And because it has that horror movie kind of vibe to it, I guess. And and this is, I don't know, I guess this is one of my favorites on the album because I really love this one. What do you think of this one? You know, this is easily the fastest song on the album. It's a good song, but it happens to fall between two maiden classics. So I think that's how it, be, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those forgotten songs, or maybe it doesn't stand out to maybe your, 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 um, you know, casual maiden lister. But I, I think, I think it's a solid song. Uh, it, it definitely moves. And that's actually one of the few songs that Clive Burr had any writing credits on actually too. He wrote that. I one noticed that today. With Adrian Smith but he's yeah he's not on too many others and then we get to well this is a lot of people's favorites and i'm probably your favorite and guess what it's not one of my favorites <laughs> but i still love the song don't get me wrong here it's a classic song of course again along with run to the hills and number of the bees it gets played probably at pretty much every concert since and it was it's claimed as many people's like it's one of the best metal songs of all time and I even remember, like, because I was 16 when I got this album on my 16th birthday. And after I listened to it a few times, I used to play this for my mom. I'm not really sure why I did, <laughs> but I would play it for my mom and have her hear the stops and starts of the song and how it builds and Bruce's vocals and everything. And this song has been covered by so many bands, including Dream Theater, who we did a podcast on before, Cradle of Filth, who I just released a podcast about Cradle of Filth, and we mentioned how it would be the name in that. And Iced Earth has also done a cover of it, and I'm sure there's many, many more that I'm not mentioning. So I'm sure you hate this song, Eric. Tell me about how it would be thy name. Is there a better closer to an album than how it would be thy name? I mean, you can feel the tension when Bruce, you know, is singing, you know, when the priest, you know, um, you know, that section about the priest. Um, it, it's it's so brilliant. I don't know if we can go back and edit that, but. That's nah, all right. Yeah, but yeah, but when the priest comes to read me the last rites, 
you can just feel that tension and anxiety building. Um, the song just has so much to offer. It's got great vocal melodies. It's got a plethora of guitar melodies and some of the harmonies are, are just are breathtaking. It's, uh, you know, honestly, some of the best songwriting I've ever heard. I've been playing guitar well over 30 years and it still stands the test of time for a great song just as a casual, you know, you know, listener, but also as a uh, as a guitarist. Um, it's it's very, very well written. You can tell they took their time. Yes, it is an epic, which, uh, you know, it's no <laughs> secret. I'm certainly you know this. I'm, I'm a fan of the epics, um, but uh, they definitely they definitely. I like how Bruce has his moments with obviously the intro. Uh, which I was going to try to avoid because so many of these intros on this album are, are just, I mean, 10 out of 10. I mean, they're so good. But again, this intro, it's very slow. It's unexpected. The first time I heard it, I was like, what, what are they trying to do here? But obviously they, you got to give it time and it's slowly, it's climactic and it builds, but Dickinson plays his part. Well, it's one of his best vocal performances. And then the band, I mean, you want to talk about a, a seamless, really a seamless piece of music. Um, the, the band does such a phenomenal job. And Steve Harris's uh, fingerprints or uh, fingertips are, are definitely all over this piece, especially that interlude section in the middle. Um, I, can, I can hear, you know, scream to me Long Beach, <laughs> a la Live After Death in that middle section. Um, but yeah, what, what a song and what a closer. And you doesn't can see, get any and once you listen to this, you can, opinion, yeah, you can go back and hear like the Phantom of the Opera and how that led into a song like this, and how they got better at writing their epic long songs or whatever, and then for future songs after this too, of course. Mm -hmm. So that's the album. Now, sometimes I think some re some re-releases they put Total Eclipse on the album. But of course, in the original thing, so we're not going to talk about Total Eclipse, even though I think it's a great song too, and I've heard it, but I didn't re-listen to that to refresh my memory, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, okay. let's rate this. Let's rate this album out of ten. I'll go first, and I guess now usually on these podcasts, I usually let other people kind of pick the album that I've been doing so far. So I usually don't give a ten out of ten, but since this is the first heavy metal album I ever got and it led me to everything else and i probably would still tell people today this is my favorite heavy metal album ever but that might be a more of a nostalgic thing because it's what changed my life and made me go buy 300 heavy metal albums vinyls and whatever 800 cds or whatever it is <laughs> so yes yeah, so i'm giving it a 10 out of 10 and i probably would have gave it a 10 out of 10 back in 1982 if i ever wrote reviews when i was 16 years old what about you what do you give it out of 10 this album from start to finish is i dare i say flawless um you know 22 acacia avenue gangland I wouldn't say they're top 10 Maiden songs, but they belong on the album. Um, everything else is so, it's stellar. I mean, it, it's so good. Um, I would give it, I would definitely give it, I thought about this yesterday and it, it took me all of three seconds. It's a 10 out of 10. Now, would you come, how would you compare this to say Peace of Mind and Power Slave? Like, would, like would That's those a, also be 10s, do you think? That, 
Well, that that's kind of my that's kind of my problem is, and I, I have an upcoming album review, a different band, but and I'm sure I'll do some more podcasts with you and uh, some other writers as well. But you know, I, I've got to say, peace of mind and power slave, they're different, but I, I can't, I really can't dock either of those albums either. They're so these three albums, and I do love the first two albums like you do as well, and I like Diano. I know a lot of fans are not big fans. But he mm-hmm. fit those first two albums well. But I've got to say, beats through Power Slave, and you'll you'll hear it when we do our top ten songs. I mean, it's I, I think I think equally as highly as those two albums. Yes, well. and let's see the, now seeing the band live. Let's hear. Um, well, I'll let you go first. And how many have have you seen them live? Of course, I know you've seen them live before because we've seen them live together once. But how many other times have you seen Maiden live? Do you think? You know what? That's actually one question I meant to actually kind of think about the last week or two. And yeah, it's hard for me to kind of put my finger on how many times I've seen Maiden. I know they had some. There were some sort of issues with their with their booking here in Virginia. So I'd have to go up to Maryland to see them, which I would happily do. And I, I did one time when I was working at my old school, I drove, um, I don't know, like an hour and 45 minutes to see them. And it was no big deal. I, I went by myself to that show. And that was one of the better shows that I've seen, actually. Um, I think it was a, a matter. Yeah, it was a matter of life and death tour. But um, I, I want to say I, I've seen Dream Theater maybe a couple more times, but I've seen Maiden uh, maybe eight times feels like more but somewhere somewhere around there but they they always put out great shows i i do wish i would have seen them on like beast through power slave i didn't catch that those earlier shows but somewhere in time was my first concert and maiden with ingve that changed that changed my life <laughs> uh my ears rang for i swear about three days <laughs> i did not know i should have brought earplugs so <laughs> but yeah what what a show and i i do love and you, you i think you appreciate this too I really am. Uh, I do enjoy the the passion and fervor that that Maiden puts on a show, which you just don't see with most bands these days. They have Eddie out there, the light show, the fog. Dickinson still looks like he's, you know, 25, 30 years old running around with the British flag. <laughs> um, so they really they make it an effort to put on a show. They don't just stand there and just play, which is fine, too. But I, I always, I, I kind of, I always give them like a, a notch up for having the showmanship to it adds something to me as far as the fans go. You know, you're, you're really getting more kind of value there at their concerts. Uh, how about you, Blake? How many times have you seen them? Well, again, I, di- I didn't really, can, you know, I didn't really try to count, but I'm sure it's around 10 times probably. My first one, which I also mentioned on the previous podcast, was on the Power Slave Tour. That was my first concert nice. ever actually so i didn't see my first concert until i was 18 because i was november november 30th 1984 remember the date of my first concert twisted sister opened up for iron maiden and Very that cool. was after the stay hungry album just came out so twisted sister was pretty popular too and i like twisted sister so and but to go me and my buddy had to take we took a bus tour from london ontario to toronto ontario to see the show and I was, I'm kind of a shy kid and I was like scared. I was on this bus with these 
people everybody's you know drinking or smoking pot or whatever and i wasn't really in that scene since i grew up on a farm and stuff <laughs> with a dad that would kind of yell and stuff so anyway i was a little scared <laughs> and but we get to the show we're late of course so the Twisted Scissors is already playing it's pitch black trying to find her seat and the ushers helping us find her seat <laughs> but anyway Twisted Sister was great and then of course Iron Maiden was great and let's see so I probably went to a whole bunch I've seen them with Anthrax open for them I probably yes I saw somewhere in time so I probably saw Ingve open for them too and I went to Montreal, Montreal at Heavy Metal Festival. I saw Iron Maiden there once. Uh, who else? I've seen them with Guns N' Roses oh, <laughs> when Guns N' Roses opened for them. And Axel was mad because nobody would stand up for his band. They only were there to see Iron Maiden. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, yeah, there's many times that I've seen them. And of course, I'll mention the time we might have mentioned this on the Dream Theater episode. I can't remember if we did or not, but we you came up to visit me here in Ontario and we went and seen them play at Massey Hall in Toronto. It was only like a 3000 seat. It's a small place. Yeah. And it was a great place to see Iron Maiden. And it was unbelievable sure was. actually to see Iron Maiden at a place like that. And that was awesome. And that was like, that was when Bruce rejoined the band after Blaze was on a couple albums. And Bruce did his some solo albums. And then he came back. And that was just the seventh show that he had played after rejoining the band. So yeah, so we actually sing concert together, which I can't say about too many of my writers. Actually, I don't know if I can say about any. Well, maybe, yeah, well, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> so that was a yeah, fun time. so yeah. and I'll just mention a few things here. This album went gold in most countries. I don't know if this is the biggest selling. I didn't really check that if this is the biggest selling maiden album or not, but I know it's the turning point in their career for sure. But uh let's see, it went gold in most countries, it went platinum in the USA and Australia, it went double platinum in the United Kingdom. And it went three times platinum in Canada because we kick ass, I guess, in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the album reached number one on the UK album charts, number 11 in Canada, and number 33 in the USA. So USA people needed to catch up, I guess, or something. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you people. but <laughs> We got some finicky fans down here. <laughs> But anyway, so that's that. So now we're going to do, we're not going to do our top 10 Maiden songs of all time since we have other podcasts and we'll probably do other Maiden albums. So I tried to change it up. So this time we're only going to do the top 10, our top 10 Maiden songs from the Number of the Beast album through to the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son album. So those five albums, Beast, Peace of Mind, Power of Slave, Somewhere in Time, and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. And I will go first. And do my list first. Oh, I'll start. Lucky, luck, lucky you. Now, I just did a top 10 list with Tom on the other one, but we did the top 10. We did do the top 10 Maiden songs of all time. So most of these songs are probably on that list, too. <laughs> so at number 10, I have Aces High, uh, which, is, of course, is from Power Slave. Actually, my 10, 9, and 8 are all from Power Slave. So 10 is Aces High. Number 9 is Two Minutes to Midnight. And number eight is Back in the Village, as I really love that song, even though I'm sure it's, again, I don't know if I've ever played that one live or not, but that's one of my favorite songs from that album. And number seven is Still Life from Peace of Mind. Great tune. Another song that's probably not played live much, but 
but yeah, I love that song and the kind of poltergeist-like lyrics about, about the bodies in the pool and stuff. So I love that one. Number six, also from Peace of Mind, is The Trooper. And number five, I have The Prisoner from this Number of the Beast album that we just did. Number four, I have Power Slave. Number three, I have Flight of Icarus, also from the Peace of Mind album. You'll notice in here there's none from Seventh Son or Somewhere in Time on my list, but oh well, I'm sure you'll get something in there. Number two, I got the Number of the Beast. And number one is Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is my favorite Iron Maiden song from, well, these albums and every album, I guess. And of course, that's very epic, but we don't need to talk about that because I'm sure sometime somebody's going to do a Power Slave podcast. But anyway, that's my top 10 songs from those albums. So let's hear your top 10 songs from The Beast through to Seventh Son with Seventh Son. All right. Um, is it okay? Is it acceptable if I start off with my runner-ups, or should I do that at you the can, end? Yeah, you, can, you, you can mention some honorable mentions if you want there to. There we go. Yeah, so this is really hard for me because you did give me the green light to include songs from Somewhere in Time and Seventh Son, which <laughs> I know you're not a huge fan of. The title track, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, I wanted to put at number 10. I really wanted to. But Number of the Beast, again, through Power of Slave, those albums, just those, the songs on those albums are so deserving of the top 10. So Seventh Son is an, is an honorable mention. Um, Children of the Damned is an honorable mention. Now let's get to the list. Number 10, Two Minutes to Midnight. That is the first song I ever learned on guitar, if you can believe it. That was a workout. It was not easy at all. Um, I'm going to talk about some down picking, but what a great song. What a cool video, too. Um, I, I guess we're going to kind of date ourselves if we if we talk about videos. Of course, I'm the only one, I guess, that's talked about videos today. So that's on me. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm, you, you've seen it before. But um, yes. number nine is the, nine is the Trooper. Um, boy, what a great song. Um, yes. Dickinson just, man, he really shines on that. Um, Run to the Hills I actually made the cut. Uh, it was kind of tough, but I, you know, I'm I'm gonna say Run to the Hills is number eight. Um, that is the the one lone anthem on this uh, list of mine. I actually flipped my next two. It was really hard for me, but Power Slave is number seven. Um, well, that song's pretty dark um, and lyrically as well, but a great song. And and I'll tell you, besides intros, uh, not too many bands really can pull this off. Um, the middle section is is really really smart. Um, I, I would say crafty because it's a it's a mid tempo song, but the middle section they really bring it down a notch. It's slower. They're clean guitar parts, and boom, they really kick it up a notch. And live, it's it's amazing. Yes. Um, so then it, then uh, top five here we've got Aces High. Um, gosh, you know what a what a just a driving song. Um, love that tune. Number of the Beast at number four. Uh, kind of wanted to put it higher, but yeah, it's, that's such a, such a landmark song uh, and album for them, as we covered today. Um, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, number three. A true mm -hmm. epic. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing to dislike or change from that song. Um, Revelations is number two. I mm -hmm. hold Revelations as kind of a 1A 
and then I have Hallowed Be Thy Name as one. <laughs> Those two songs, like I could listen to on repeat every day. Um, I would not get, I would not tire of them. They're both the, the songwriting, the lyrics, the music, the vocal melodies, all are, are, are just the best. So that's my list there. Well, I was right. I knew Hallowed Be the Name would be your number one song. <laughs> you got it. Yep, you know me. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's it. So yes, we talked about the number of the Beast album tonight and how monumental it was and all these I was listening to some of your songs that I just think of all the other groups because I mentioned some groups that played Hallowed Be the Name before and Power Slave Testament has did a cover of Power Slave, which is great. That's a and, good one. Mm-hmm. And and there's just so many of these songs that you've heard other groups do them on, whether it's tribute albums to Maiden or just put on their own albums or whatever. So they definitely influence lots and lots of bands. And they're one of the biggest bands ever in heavy metal, of course, as was this album, The Number of the Beast. So thank you, Eric, for joining me today, talking about The Number of the Beast, my first heavy metal album ever. And I look forward to doing another podcast with you soon. So make sure you... Follow our podcast and check us out once a week. At least we're going to have a new podcast. So thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for having me on board uh, to rate this legendary landmark album. I appreciate it, Blake. Okay. Bye. And we'll go out with how be thy name.